Morning, family. Welcome to Faith Harvest Worship Center. Our Bible study for today. My name is Pastor Robert Ingram. Here on behalf of Dr. Williams, First Lady, we here at Faith Harvest would like to welcome you to be a part of what we're doing here at Harvest. Not only are we a church, we are a school, we are a community center. We are looking to be a holistic place where you and your family can go, come get the word, get the things that you need that's going to help build you to be all that God has called you to be. We've started a program for the summer called You Connect that starts at 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock for all the youth who goes here at uh, summer camp and also for those who don't go to summer camp but the parents want them to get some biblical principles. They can come be a part of what we're doing here. It's free of charge. Um, the kids get um, snacks, and they also get the word, which is most important. Um, for the past couple of weeks, we've had um, Evangelist Jones. She's been speaking about miracles, and it's been a blessed experience to be talking about miracles. She's not here this week, as you can see, so I'm stepping in in her place, but she will be back next week. I'm not going to um, talk about what she's been talking about, but I'm going to touch into another area, uh, and I'm going to speak about the wilds of Brooklyn. And I'm going to be coming out of Ephesians 6.11. And when we talk about the wilds of the enemy, um, me and Pastor Bruce were just speaking about this. We, we, we don't really pay attention to what that word means. And uh, when, we, when we really look at it, the enemy has been plaguing us. And when we talk about the enemy, we talk about the devil, we talk about anybody who allows themselves to be used by the enemy, you know, and devil, he's not a respecter of person. So if we make ourselves available to him, he will use us. You know, so anyone who makes themselves available, you know, through our own desires, through our own uh, selfishness, all those different things that he will tempt us with to try to persuade us to be on his team, to do things outside of God's will, he will do. And I'm going to touch on this subject here, the wiles of the enemy. What are the, what are the wiles of the devil in Ephesians 6.11? So here, wiles are tricks or manipulations designed to deceive someone. It says, the tongue-in-cheek phrase a woman wiles refers to the seductiveness, the fatale, and using charm or sex appeal to elicit a desired response from men. Wiles of the devil are those clever schemes used by Satan to ensnare us through temptation, threats, intimidation, Ephesians 6.11 says, it warns us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know, I love that because I have a bracelet and you can't see it from here and I wear this all the time and it talks about the armors of God and the armors of God are the belt of truth the blessed prayer of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, and the shield of faith. These are the armors of God. And this is what is telling us that we need to put on. We need to put on these things in order to protect ourselves from the wiles of the enemy. So when we talk about the helmet of salvation, that helmet is what? It's protecting your mind. It's protecting your mind, not allowing your mind to, to get deceived, to, to wander 
from the path of, of righteousness, of truth, you know? And then we talk about the breastplate, that breastplate of righteousness, the heart. When it covers, that breastplate covers your heart. It covers your heart. So we want to remain in that upper part of our heart, of that upper part of righteousness, not that lower part, that sinful part, you know, that falls into that soul and the body's desires, you know. And then it talks about the shoes of the gospel. That's the word of God, staying on that path, staying on that pathway, making sure that we are planted firmly on God's word. And then it talks about the only offensive weapon that we have, and that's the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit that can cut up or down. That's the only offensive weapon we have, the sword of the spirit. And whose spirit? It's not our spirit. It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of God. So the more we got the word on us, the more we got things that we got to fight with. And the last one is the shield of faith. Believing that and we stand in the faith of who God said we are. It's not that we're not, that arrows are not going to come at us. Yes, they're going to come at us. Yes, they're going to attack us. But it said through that shield of faith, it will block every fiery dart that comes at us. And that's the part that we have to be mindful of. And that's what Ephesians 6, 11 says. It warns us to put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that's the King James Version. Other Bible verses speak and says the devil's schemes, strategies, or evil tricks rather than wiles. Scriptures give us insight into the enemy's tactics. We are not unaware of his schemes. If you read 2 Corinthians 2.11, we are not unaware of its schemes. See, the, there's nothing that we face in this life that the Bible hasn't already prepared us for. But the thing is, if we're not in the work, we don't have nothing we can stand on. That's like if your parents didn't tell you certain things, where are we going to learn from? You're going to either learn on the street or you're going to have to go through the pitfalls to figure it out. And God don't want us to have to go through the pitfalls, so he's given us the word, the word of God. And that's why it's so important for us to tap into his word so we can have a firm foundation to stand on. Amen? It says here, 2 Corinthians, it warns us we are not unaware of his schemes, and we are wise to heed the warning. Too often, we don't pay attention to the warnings. Too often, we think we got it all figured out, and we try to do it our way, and that's his job. His job is to convince us that the way we want to do it is the right way to do it, and he gives us all the answers, the fill our desires and fill our the, the needs that we have at the moment. But he don't tell us about the consequences of us taking that shortcut. See, the enemy always going to give you some shortcuts, but he don't tell you about the consequences of those shortcuts. And that's where the enemy gets us. And this goes back all the way to Genesis. This is just start now. It started from the beginning. Amen? Here are some of the devil's wiles as we see in the scriptures. One, challenging God's word. And I told you, it started in the beginning. Pastor talks about this all the time. There's only two perfect scriptures, two perfect uh, chapters in the Bibles, and that's one and two of Genesis. Once you hit three, everything goes down here. And it's all about us getting back to one and two his original intent. Amen? And it says here, challenging God's word, Genesis 3, gives us detailed look into the tactics of our enemy. It leads to 
The first human sin, and Satan still uses it because it works so well. The first recorded word of the devil through the serpent were, Did God really say? Ooh, did God really say? How many of us hear that in our own head? When we're thinking about something outside of God's will, when we try to reconcile it in our own head, when we know it goes against his word, his righteousness, his truth, when we try to make it okay for what we want to do. And that's what the enemy say. Did God really say this? And that's why it's so important for us to know the word so we can know what God said. That's how, listen, I can remember friends say this to me, like, look, yo, come hang out with us, so we going down the block. Yo, my mom said I got to be in the house before it's dark. They be like, it's not really dark yet. It's still light outside. But you know, in a matter of minutes, it's going to be dark outside. So the further you go away from home, the longer it's going to take for you to get home, and it's going to be dark. And that's how they get you to go outside of the will of your parents. And this is how the enemy tricks us to go out of the will of the Father. He manipulates us with little subtle things. And sometimes we don't take it as too much. And we think it's okay. But his job is to get us off the path of righteousness and truth. And if you just deviate just a little bit, the more you continue to go along that path, the further away you get from God. And that's all he wants. And that's what he did in the beginning. He just said, did he really say this? And once that, that inkling of doubt or question comes into play, I tell my kids all the time, look, if you want to do what you want to do, the enemy will give you every reason to do it. He'll create every opportunity for you, every excuse to do what you want to do. And it says here, it leads to the first human sin, and Satan still uses it in his way. The first recorded words of the devil was, did God really say in Genesis 3.1? With those words, the devil invited the woman to reconsider what she understood God to have said. But at, by adding her human interpretation, by convincing herself that God's words were far too restrictive. Wow. Don't that sound familiar? You know our parents tell us to do something like, man, everybody else getting to do this. Why? gotta be the only one to do it. Maybe they got your best interests at heart. Maybe they just want to protect you from some things you don't really fully understand. And that's the same thing what God was trying to do with Adam and Eve at that time. They were, he was trying to protect them from the evilness of the world because he knew it existed. He knew the devil was alive and well because he banished them from heaven. So he had airwaves. He had a place in between the heavens and the earth. And God was trying to protect us from that. But just like our parents try to protect us and we think it's too restrictive and they ain't trying to allow us to live, and that's just what Eve allowed the enemy to play in her head. That God was restricting her from being all that she can be, not realizing that she wasn't missing nothing. And that's how some of us feel now. I know I feel that way after going against my parents' will and doing some of the things I wanted to do. I realized they were protecting me and trying to keep me from having to go through the pitfalls that they might have went through or they had witnessed other people go through. But unfortunately for us, just like Eve and Adam, we got to go through the process because we don't want to take heed to what God has said or what our parents are saying. And that's why it's so important for us to really pay attention 
So what's going on? And the more we get into the word, the more and better prepared we will be when the enemy tries to attack us. And that's why I wanted to share this here today as we are in session between um, the miracles. Because Ms. Jones was talking about the miracles and, and how we're living today in miracle times. You know, it's not just based off of the Bible and those miracles that happen. And we're living in miracle times, miraculous times right now. Every day we wake up, there's a miracle happening. Every day you go out, there's a miracle happening. You know, and, and too often we take it for granted. We take this life that we live for granted. And this is what I want you to get here in your spirit right now because Right now, the enemy wants to deceive us and have us think that we're missing out on something when God has everything in store for us. There's nothing that we're missing. So here it says, by suggesting that we should re-examine the clear teaching of God's word, Satan invites us to add our own interpretation and thereby nullifying God's stated will. Entire church dominations fall victim to this. We're dealing with it right now. Did God really say homosexuality is wrong? He hisses. The church crumbles. You know, all it takes is one to go against what God says. Oh, God didn't say that in the Bible. Then people start questioning. Oh, did he really say it? They start looking for little words. I was talking to someone the other day, and we were talking about David and, 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 Saul, and um, Saul's son, and how people try to make their relationship with uh, David's relationship with Saul's son made that to be something outside of God's will, made that to be almost like a, 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 a homosexual relationship or or. or or relationship outside of God's will, which that was far from it. It was just a relationship between two good friends who cared for one another. That's what that was about. We have a question. Well, there's no message the question and comment. You know, uh, you were speaking about homosexuality and, and you hear the thing about same-sex marriages nowadays. And you see that uh, the powerfulest uh, denomination in the world, the Catholic Church, how they um, are contradicting themselves where they actually say, well, we're not going to marry same-sex marriages, but they're not going to have a family. So when we have these little things that go on with other denominations, then they start um, questioning, well, well, they start doing things that are not of the Bible. People start questioning what is the truth and what is not the truth. And I think this is what turns off a lot of people to the church, but the church denominations right now. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a big part of the, the turnoff because you become wishy-washy. See, we, we become we become like politicians based off of what people desire instead of what God says. You know, and, and too often we we quell under the desires of men and not stand on what God's truth is. And it's not nothing against anybody. You have your own choice. Do I agree with it? No. But that's your choice. I will love on you the same way as God loves on you. But it's your choice. It's your will. But you can't make your will my will. You can't force what you believe on me just like I can't force what I believe on you. I, I love you in spite of and that's, that's God love. You got an answer before him, not me. What, what I would answer for is, did I love them the same way? Yes. I love them no differently. Did I treat them any differently? No. I treated them the same way as I treat any other human being, with love, concern, and consideration. Do I agree? No, I don't agree. I can be honest. I don't agree. But I can love you still. And believe you me, I've had it in my family. I know people no different. I don't treat anybody any different. And I would hope no one would treat me any different because 
That's not my style. And it's just about loving, agape love, unconditional, unconditional, not being condoned. It's a difference. And we talk about consequences. See, we live in under grace. God has forgiven us for our sins, but there are consequences for those sins that God don't take away. And what happens is, too often, because we have to deal with the consequences, we think God is to blame for it. It's not God. These are the consequences of the action. We're forgiven for the choice, but the consequences we still have to deal with. And too often, we want to blame God because we got to go through the consequences of the choices that we make. And sometimes, you might not have to go through it, but your children might suffer. Here it says, it talks about, we, talk, we talked about the homosexuality. And it says, did God really say there are only two genders? He suggested, inviting us to put our own spin on reality, making ourselves gods in place of the Lord. Ephesians 6.11 says that we need to be clothed in the whole armor of God, withstanding such vows. So we have to protect our minds. We have to protect our heart. We got to make sure we grounded out. The foundation is strong. We got our sword. We're fighting back the enemy with the spirit of God, his word, his truth. And we got him on the breastplate of righteousness. We standing strong in who God has called us to be against the enemy. Not our brothers and sisters. See, my fight is not against you. It's against a spirit. A spirit that sometimes we allow ourselves to fall into. Ask me how I know I allowed myself to fall into that spirit when I was in the world, doing the things of the world. Not thinking about how my decisions were affecting other people. Now I'm living a different life. I'm worried about how my decisions are affecting other people. And, and thinking about how my actions and what I say and what I do and, and the repercussions for those things. And yes, no, I'm not perfect. No, I'm not going to get everything right. None of us will. That's why we're under grace. But the thing is for us not to continue along those paths. That's why we're here now. That's why you're on, 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 on Facebook now listening to this here. Is because you're looking for something different. You're trying to find ways to do things different. And that's what we're trying to be that for you here at Harvard. Trying to give you that word. Give you a better understanding and interpretation of what God is saying. Not based on ourselves, but based on God's truth through our own experience. You know, you said, you said something about consequences. And maybe about Lot, uh -huh. Lot knew who God was, but he met people in his family of a multi people who were leading into sin and um, complacency. Mm -hmm. So all those things that he did affected his family in later generations. So as you go down, so what you're saying is true. It might not affect you, but it could affect your children, or it could affect somebody else down the line. Um, you know, in your family, in another lineage. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and you said Lot, right? Yeah. And, and, and we see with Lot his decision. From the beginning, Lot was selfish. You know, when, when Abram told him, pick the land you want, he picked the land that looked more bountiful for him. You know, and, and too often, we're not content with the blessings of God, we think we're going to be missing out if we don't chase after more, you know, and that's, that's worldview, you know, because we serve a God who created everything, so you will never be without, 
And too often, see, the world makes us think we gotta have, we gotta have this, we gotta have that. And you don't gotta have it. What you need, you have. And if you're thankful and, and you need, there's more blessings added on to you. You know, look, I ain't never been to Africa, and, and that's my goal to hope to go there. But I, I've seen poverty. I've seen poverty here in America, in my own neighborhood, in my own house. And there was a time where I wasn't thankful for what I did have. You know, and too often we're not thankful for what we do have because we're worried about what somebody else has. And we miss the blessings that we do have. And how can, do you give your children anything when they don't appreciate what they have? I know I wouldn't. I know my mom did. And that's the same thing for God. If you don't appreciate what you have already, and you praying for more, do you expect him to add more to you when you're not even thankful for the little that you have? And this is this is this is what we miss out on. And this is how the enemy tricks us. He tricked, he tricked Eve. She thought she was missing out on something because the enemy told her that the, God was restricting her, restricting them from touching something that was not good for them, but he made them think they were missing out on something. And that's just how the enemy does with us today. Too often we're thinking we're missing out on something and we're not. You know, I've got a testimony. I'll tell you, I've said this story many times. I think I've said it to you and Pastor Ray. Uh, when I was in need of a car. I, and, and you know, when I was coming to work, I was coming to work on the bus for the first six, uh, four or five months of, of the job. But I could have, I was a car I wanted six months before. And God said, don't pull the trigger. Don't, don't do this. I got something better for you. And I obeyed him. And then what happened uh, back in uh, April, I was able to finally get a car that I could afford. Because I saved the money up. But it was also a blessing because I obeyed what he said and I didn't jump the gun until I had it. I might not have had that car anymore. You said something that was real key. You said, because I waited, I got something that I could afford. And see, the enemy will bait you into getting something that you can't afford because it's something that you want but don't necessarily need at that time. So you'll find yourself, you could have found yourself purchasing something that you couldn't afford that you might have wound up losing after maybe two months or three months because hit and be back on the bus again with no money to make a purchase three months later. And too often, we fall for that same trick, that bait and switch. He don't tell you, he'll give you the glamour. You see on TV, they tell you, oh, come get this car. We got this car. You get no zero financing and all these here bells and whistles. But here, when you sign on a dotted line, now you committed for the next seven years paying X amount of dollars that you really can't afford, but because they made it look so pleasing to your eye and you thought you needed, you got a car, but you needed something, you wanted something better. That's, that's why our parents always said, read the fine print. <laughs> that's the truth. So here's number two. Challenge your identity. Luke 4, 1 through 13 gives us insight into several of the devil's wiles. Satan came at Jesus to tempt him in the wilderness. On two different occasions, Satan began his temptation with these words. If you are the son of God, Satan knew exactly who Jesus was. Mark 1.34 Jesus was there when Satan fell like lightning from heaven. Significantly, 
And the devil chose the time when Jesus was physically weak and hungry to attack his identity. Family, identity is important. You have to know, I'm trying to get close to you. You have to know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, someone will give you an identity. And that's why it's important for you to know that you are a child of God who was made in his image, who he has given dominion over this earth. Not over people, but over the things of the earth. And too often we are allowing the things of the earth to have dominion over us because we've lost our identity. And that's how the enemy will play. The enemy know who you are. He know the authority that God has given you. And what he's trying to do is strip that authority by getting you to walk outside of God's will. Because as soon as you move from under God's covering, he has a way in. You said something about identity. That, that is one of the struggles of our society today. There's nobody, you said a lot of young people out there and, and, and and you could say uh, middle-aged or older, you know, we're messing with five generations here. And um, they, don't, they don't know exactly how each other they're clashing. But the thing about identity is a lot of them don't know who they are because they see the things on TV or they see things on social media and they want to have that as somebody to look up to rather than God who is the one that created all of us in his own image. Some of them don't have a relationship with God. So, man, you and I don't know how that relationship works, but maybe you can explain to somebody out there how they can get to that relationship and know who they are through God. Well, each relationship is personal. Each relationship is not grandma relationship. He spoke about five generations we're living under right now. And there's a disconnect between each generation, you know. And, and one of the biggest things is three generations have come heavily under the drug era. And so, so not only do we have that that we're battling against, we also have three generations of families in prison. All at the same time, we got grandfather, son, uh, son, grandson, all in prison at the same time. You know, we got even that generation under drugs at the same time. You know, it, there's so many things, and, and the enemy is so conniving and so conning in his actions that we have really missed the mark and paying attention to his strategy. And you talk about influences and, and, and those things that begin to create an identity. It's, 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 there's a reason why the social media has social media influences because their goal is to influence you to do what they want you to do. And a lot of times, that's outside of the will of God. And that's why if you don't have an identity and you don't know who you are, it's easy for you to get influenced to do something that's outside of God's will. But if you know, I ask the kids all the time, how old are you? Do you know the difference between right and wrong? And once you know the difference, everything else is about a choice. You know, and, and once you reach a certain age of maturity, Yes, there's different levels to it, but right and wrong, there's no different level. Right is right, wrong is wrong. And once you know the difference, there's no excuses. It's just about a choice. And right now, we're living in a society where we're choosing to do what is not right. We're choosing to do what benefits us. And it's not necessarily good or righteous. And that's, that's how we get out of God's will. 
And in order for us to get back into God's will, in order for us to, to be in right standing in relationship with him, we have to have a, 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 a knowing of our identity and have that personal relationship of who God is to us. And see, the world tells us all that's man-made and all this other stuff and, and try to contradict God's word. But after all these years, if they had any contradiction against God's word, we wouldn't be, that wouldn't be the most famous book in the world because they can't contradict. They can't find nothing to go against the truth of the word. All they can say is man made it. No, man wrote it, but it was influenced. Just like any book you read, someone wrote it. So there's nothing that you will read that someone else didn't write. And that's just like the Bible, but it's influenced through the Holy Spirit of God. Yes, man wrote it, but through the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that's the important part. And if you can find anything negative in the Bible that's telling you to do anything wrong, let me know about that. Because all I know is it's talking about how to build yourself up to make yourself better, make your communities better, and do the right thing. The world will tell you differently because they don't want you to follow it. He meant something that, that really caught my eye. When he said, man, maybe. You know, that's the, that's the way how our, our, our society is brainwashed. Man made, anything man made will not last. But whatever God makes, Stands the test of time, and that's very, uh, very with the Bible. Bible is still the number one selling book in yes. the world. Yes, it is. And, and why is that? Because it is God inspired. Yeah, that's right. And, and and that's the thing. If we just look, just look at society itself. Most of the things that stand in, in God's truth. Is lasting. But the things that's outside of God's will, you just look at all these great empires. All these great empires, they imploded from within because they got off the foundation of truth. And I don't care what empire you talking about, you just go through it and you see when they started going outside of the truth, they started to fall. And unfortunately, here in America, the land of the free, who's supposed to be biblically based, we're falling off of God's truth. But it's only up to us, those who know the word and know God's truth, who's standing on his truth and walking in his truth, those are the ones who are going to walk into the end. Not everybody's going to make it. Here it says, Satan does the same with us. To make his wiles more effective, he hits us during a crisis or a spiritual struggle and suggests, if you were a child of God, this wouldn't happen. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it because you're a child of God? I tell people all the time, if the enemy is coming at you, if you're going through some struggles, you need to ask God, what you want me to get out of this? You want to take me to another level. Show me what you want me to get out of this. Because anytime the enemy is attacking you or your family, it's because he's trying to stop you from going to another level in your relationship with God. I rest assured, I tell you, and if you stand on God's truth and don't allow yourself to be swayed by the enemy, you're going to see a breakthrough, and when that breakthrough comes, it's going to take you to another level, a level that you didn't even think you would be able to make it to. I tell you, that's the truth. It says here, it says, if you were a child of God, this wouldn't happen. If you were actually Christian, God would help you right now. Again, we need the helmet of salvation, I tell you. 
firmly in place to withstand the attacks against our identity and God's character. And that's why it's so important for us to family, I can't stress it enough. There's so much jewels in this world. And I tell you, every time I open it up, it gives me new insight, new revelation. And I can remember there was a time where it was battled to me, just like it may be to you as a young Christian. But I tell you, if you stand back and you continue to press and open up the world, I, I, I tell the kids now, I say, look, if you're going through something, ask Google. Say, Google, give me a scripture. And I don't want to say that because my phone will probably respond to that. Give me a scripture or give me a word on whatever situation that I'm dealing with. And I guarantee you, when you can just say word, give me a word, and they'll give you scripture. Google will give you scripture. I don't know if um, uh, the uh, other one for Apple. What's Apple? Uh, the Apple, the Apple app. I don't know if the Apple app would give you something different, but I know Google. When you say "give me a word dealing with whatever situation you're dealing with," it gives you biblical scriptures. It will give you biblical scriptures to deal with every situation that you're dealing with. And family, if you don't believe me, try it out. Whatever situation you go to, ask Google or, or, or Siri to give you a scripture to help you deal with that situation. It is right here in this good book. I say good book because it's God's book and he deals with every situation we're facing. So there's nothing that you're facing in your life that the, this Bible don't have an answer to. But it's up to you to get into it and figure it out. I don't know if um, you saw my podcast this past week, but I one, the message I had was, uh, and the title of it was Losing the Harvest. Mm. And the reason God sent me to that was because, and, and I think we all notice it as, um, not only as leaders, but also who are Christians, we, we, God said something that he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We, as people of faith, we're not, I, they're, they're not saying us, but there are a lot of us out there that are shying away and not bringing people to God. And that's very important as not only members of the church, believers in God, but that it's so important to bring new generations in. And if we can't, we have a great harvest of people, but we have to get them happy. We have to start doing our jobs as laborers to bring that harvest to, to, to bloom. We have to keep on hoeing, let's put it that way. Where we have to keep getting all the, the weeds and everything out and, and build God constantly is sculpting us and making us. And we have to do our part. It's like the old saying that the farmer um, doesn't plant no seed Nothing grows. That's right. And, and, and that's so important because, yes, the work is plentiful, but the labor is all few. And that was true back then, and it's still true now. You know, and so God knew what the situation was. He wasn't blind to it. You know, he wrote the end before the beginning. So he knew the end time result. So it, it, it's not a surprise to him. But because we're going through it, it can be easy for us to come into the house of God and see people and, and, and wonder why they're not there. But the world tells us not everybody wants it. You know, but the key to it is for us, those who are laboring, not to get weary in our well-doing. Because it can be easy to get discouraged because you're not seeing the harvest. But even if you touch one life, you have done 
your job. And that's the important part, family. I told you out there that even if you touch one life, you have done your job. But there is more out there. We just have to be the examples. We have to show them that we are the true body of Christ. And not one in itself, but all of us together. We all are partakers in it. We all play a part. We all are his bride. He is coming back for his bride, the church. We are that bride, the body of Christ. And we just have to be ready, not when it's time, but before it's our time. We can't be caught like the women who was waiting for the king and they didn't have no oil and their lamps went dark and then they was trying to find oil and they missed them. Too often we miss them because we're not ready before the time comes. So we have to know the time that we're in and it's important for us right now to be in the season. We have to be in season. Here we in transition. We're about to go to another season. So are you ready to trans to go into this new season? What has God has spoken into your life to be doing in this new season that's coming? Are you supposed to stay where you're at? I don't think so. Because from spring to summer, there's a new season. There's new things transpiring. And that's the same thing that's supposed to be happening in our lives. We're not supposed to be stuck. Pastor Ray said this to us a few years ago. You're not going to find me where I was at last year. And I feel that way about myself. And you should feel that way about yourself. If you find yourself in the same position you was last summer, this summer, there's something that you need to do some self-evaluation. It don't have nothing to do with God. It don't have nothing to do with anybody else. That's something that you have to do. And see, that's where the enemy will start playing with your mind. Because you don't have the helmet of salvation and you ain't doing that self-evaluating of who you are and what you're doing. Because it don't have nothing to do with God. Because he's doing his part. He's where he's supposed to be. It's are you where you're supposed to be. Here it says, twisting scriptures. Another of the wiles of the devil used against Jesus was to quote scripture, but with a twist. Boy, oh boy. Don't the enemy play games? You know, unfortunately, we even see it in the church. We see it in the church. And that's why so many people are turned off. You know, we talk about five generations. And what happens is sometimes that fifth generation don't see no change from the from that first generation. So they say, that generation ain't doing nothing different. Why should I be following that God that they following? Because their life is no different. It don't have nothing to do with God. It has something to do with them. They didn't do that part. They didn't trust God enough to, to have a transition in their life. And, and, and the thing is, sometimes we don't know why people do some of the things they do. We don't know the circumstances and the situation. But God wants it for you. Your relationship with God is a personal relationship. It don't have nothing to do with grandma, your mother, your father. It's a personal relationship between you and God. So if you want something different from what your mother and father have, what are you doing different? That's the key. What are you doing differently to make your life different? Because I know my life is different from my mother's life. And it's for our better. Because that's what she wanted for us. And they, she didn't have everything all okay for herself neither. But she did. She put some foundations in place that we were able to stand on to elevate ourselves to the next level. Good and bad. And too often, we carry that bad and use that as a totem in our life to keep us on that negative path. 
but we should use it to catapult us to another level. And that's where the enemy fools us at. He says, he tricks us with scriptures. In Luke 4, 10, 11, it says here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning to you to guard you, and on their hand, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against stone. Satan quotes Psalms 91, 11 through 14 in an effort to persuade Jesus to act in flesh rather than to follow the spirit. Check out Galatians 5, 16, where he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, too often we walk in the flesh. I just picked up this book called My Body and, Body, uh, My Body and Spirit that I'm reading. And Pastor Bruce is our expert in that area. And if you have an opportunity, he's doing classes on Saturdays at 11 o'clock. You need to tap in, reach out to him to be a part of the program that he's doing here with mind, body, and spirit. Because this is where the body, this is where the battle really happens at in the, in the man. The mind, the body, and the spirit. You know, because it's 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 the soul which controls the body, but the spirit is of God, and the mind is where the battle happens at. And that's where if you don't know who you are, you begin caught between that soul and fleshly desires going against the spirit. And that's where the enemy tried to get us at. He tried to get us to battle our spirit against our fleshly desires because that's what we can see in the flesh. It says, but Satan fails to complete the thoughts in Psalms. The next verse, Psalms 91.13 says, you will tread on the lions and the cobras. You will trample all the great lions and the serpent. Those animal reference are metaphors for fierce and dangerous enemies. And the devil is likened to both lion and a serpent in scriptures. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put amenities between you and women. And between your offsprings and her offsprings, and he shall bruise the head, and you shall, and he you shall bruise his heel. Revelations 20, 22 says, and he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who was the devil, Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. First Peter 5:8 says. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Romans 16.20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And the last scripture, the true meaning of the passage in Psalms 91 says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snares of the fowler and from the deadly. Family, if you can't stand on anything, you need to stand on that scripture. Stand on that scripture. Stand under the covering of God. And the only way you can stand under the covering of God is to be given to the word of God. Because the spirit man can't give you revelations if you don't have nothing for it to reveal. And the only way it can reveal is for you to get into his word. To know him for yourself. Not based off of what anybody else said. I tell people all the time, if what you're doing hasn't been working, what you got to lose to try his work? To trust in him. You ain't got nothing to lose. Ask me how I know. That was me. I ain't have nothing to lose but trusting in him. And my life has never been the same. And like I said, no, I'm not perfect. 
perfect. None of us is. None of us ever will be. We're going to have flaws. We're going to make mistakes in this walk that we're trying to walk here in this wicked world because we are born in sin and this world is full of sin. And the only way you're going to be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy is you're going to have to know God for yourself. You're going to have to know his word for yourself so you can have something to stand on against the attacks. Not just for yourself, for your children, for your children's children, for your parents, for all those who may not have that strength that you have. We can be prayer intercessors for them to give them the opportunity to be better and do better. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt that when I wasn't praying for myself, someone was praying for me. Because without those prayers, I wouldn't be here. There was a covering over my life that I didn't put myself in. That people who loved and cared for me prayed for me and prayed over me. And that's the same thing we're doing here at Harvest for all our family. And we want you to have that same covering, to have that protection against the wilds of the enemy. I'm going to leave you with this prayer. Father God, we thank you. I thank you for this word. I didn't know I wasn't planning to speak today, but this showed up. And I pray that what was spoken here and shared here today was meaningful for those out there listening, those in here who heard the word, that it was meaningful to their lives, Father God, and that it will help them to be able to fight against the wiles of the enemy because he will not stop attacking. Definitely for those who love you and know your word and want to walk in your word. I pray that you continue to cover them, give them revelations of all the word that they receive, Father God, so we can give them the foundation that they need to stand against the wilds of the enemy. So you can get the glory in their lives. And we give you thanks. And we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I say this to you as we close, and I say this every time I'm up here, that the word of God is true. It doesn't cause. It doesn't cause thing. But what I ask you to do is invest in the ministry, the ministry here at Harvest. There's so much that we want to do. Unfortunately, some things we can't do because there's finances that are involved. But what we can do, we will do. And we want to be a, a holistic church, school, community that does everything and provides all the things that you need here in the community. And we don't just want to do it here in Newcastle, Wilmington. We want to do it throughout the city, throughout the state, throughout the world. Our goal is to be a holistic ministry throughout the world. We want to have a replica of what we do here around the world. And the only way we can do that is with your help. We say the work is plentiful, but the labors are few. That is so true. And we need your labor. We need your help. It's not just about finances. Whatever you're willing to labor, whatever gifting God has placed on your life, however you can add to the ministry, however you can add to the community, come share with us. We're having a community fair on August 11th here at Harvest, and we want to be a holistic um, atmosphere where we can provide jobs, we can guide people to where jobs are at, help them with their credit financing, we want to help them purchase homes, we want to help them further their education, helping with trades, all those things we want to be and we want to help bridge the gap for people so they can achieve those things that God has in place for them. Because it's not just about them. We talk about generations. If they get it now, it can be beneficial for generations to come. 
And that's when God said, we have dominion over ourselves, over this world, not for it to have dominion over us. Amen? Amen. So if God has placed on your heart to sow a seed, you can sow a seed. You can text 302-389-5636. Text give, whatever amount there is that you want to give, you can give. You can go to our our website, fhwcchurch.org, is again, fhwc, the word is church.org, and you can go to the giving um, platform at the top of the page, and you can give there. Um, we're going to soon be transitioning from faith life to serving keeper, but you don't have to do anything different. The same text to give will be available. And even on the website, you can access the website the same way to give. So if God has placed on your heart to give, so seed, please do so. If God placed on your heart, you want to be a part of the ministry, or you just want to be a part of the community fair because God has given you a gifting and, and there's some, some work that you're doing and you want to share it with the community, come, be a part of what we're doing here. Come out so on August uh, 11th, you can be out here and share those things We'd love to have you. Please reach out to us. Let us know. You can reach us at 302-654-2611. Again, 302-654-2611. Let us know that you want to be a part of what we're doing here. And if we can't get through 2611, do 2613. 654-2613. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Ms. Jones will be back, and she will continue in the miracles of the Bible. God bless you. We love you on behalf of Dr. Williams, First Lady, Faith Harvest family. Have a blessed night.